Family, I don't know what God is doing with this cuffing season series, but it's just, if this is any, if this is just any indication of what's about to happen over the next few weeks, if God is blowing my mind, I know he's going to blow your mind. I want to thank all of you so much for your love, for your subscriptions, for your shares. Y'all were on it. <laughs> Y'all were on it, and I believe tonight's message is just powerful. So I want to um, get straight to work. I'm not going to be long, but I'm going to be strong. So go ahead and take your screenshot, tag us, let us know where you are in the world. And we're just in part three. We're just in part three, so I just can't wait to see what God is going to do throughout this series. I could not compartmentalize this particular message on tonight to just one passage of Scripture. It's two passages of Scripture. We're going to launch our reading at Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. And then after I read a few verses, we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. So Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding rise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city. At the entrance, she cries aloud, To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice To all mankind, you who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them perverse none of them is crooked or perverse to the discerning all of them are right they are upright to those who have found knowledge listen to this choose my instruction instead of silver knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is more precious can i get somebody drop the comment precious wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her now let's hop to proverbs chapter 22 one verse verse 3 and then we're going to pray and get to work the prudent see danger and take refuge but the simple keep going and pay the penalty And I think we need to ask ourselves, what are we paying for because we kept going? What are we paying for because we kept going? God, we are ready. We know that you're going to spew forth fire on tonight, God. It's not me, it's you. Make me invisible so that you may be seen as visible. We give you all the glory, all the adoration, God. And as my typical request, use me as your spokesman, the PA system of heaven, the soundtrack of heaven. We consider it done. In Jesus' name, we pray. And would you drop the comment in the room, amen. Amen. What are you paying for? Because you kept going. The prudent see danger and they take refuge. But the simple keep going and pay for it. 
Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, and everybody who has graced me and joined me on tonight, we are continuing the sequel of the sermon series that we launched last week entitled Cuffing Season. Cuffing Season. And I stated and I articulated to you that my heart's desire is for the next few weeks, I would like to hand you spiritual nutrition. I want for this series to be an investment in your soul care. Because I believe too many of us are living at midnight. Too many of us are living at midnight in a dark place, in a dark space. It could be due to pain. It could be due to unbelief. It could be due to doubt. It could be due to trauma. And though it's midnight, technically, it means it's a new day. So yes, you're changing, yes, you're evolving, and yes, you're becoming, but my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would use this series to be the morning sun to shine on you because you are not called to live in darkness, but you are called to be a child of the light. You do not have the right to remain silent for tonight. Go ahead and drop the comment in the room. I am a child of the light. I'm a child of the light. However, one of the ways that we could avoid unnecessary pain. One of the ways that we can avoid unnecessary trouble. We gonna have trouble. Jesus said in this life, you will have trouble. One of the ways that we could avoid unnecessary storms, because I can't speak for anybody else, but if I'm gonna go through a storm, let it be because I'm like Noah and not like Jonah. If I'm gonna go through a storm, let it be due to my favor. If I'm gonna go through a storm, let it be due, due to the fact that you're protecting me. If I'm gonna go through, I wanna go through because God is protecting me. But one of the ways we could avoid unnecessary trouble, unnecessary pain, and unnecessary storms is by identifying red flags. Red flags. And on Sunday, I articulated, I believe, one of the most painful things to hit the human heart. One of the most painful things that can hit the heart of man, I believe, is to be deceived. Tricked, manipulated, Conned, tricked, cheated on, however you want to name it. Deception is that gut punch. It is that body shot to your soul that knocks the wind out of you. And your soul is constantly trying to catch its breath ever since it discovered that, found out that, learned that. See, if I could just be real, once you get the revelation and you have the epiphany that what you thought was real is really artificial... When you discover that what you thought was real is really fake, that has the propensity to callous our heart to love and to trust. And so we said, if one of the most painful things to hit our heart is to be deceived, no wonder the enemy traffics in deception. Because he knows once we are deceived, the residue and the afterbirth of being deceived is distrust. And the main quality for the Christian is for us to be able to trust. So whenever the enemy tries to deceive us, trick us, cause us to experience some type of pain due to manipulation, it is always a war move on our trusting ability. And so he comes as an angel of the light. And the way he trips us up is by light glimpses. Light glimpses. Sometimes it appears to be good. And other times we see a light that makes us think that this might be God. And I just want to help somebody on the night. On tonight, I feel as though my job 
And the strategy that I'm going to give you is for you to be able to identify red flags. So I would like to speak from this subject around this thought as we are in part three of this cuffing season sermon series. I would like to speak from this subject, red flags. Red flags. Can I get somebody to drop the comment in the room? Don't be colorblind. <laughs> Don't. Don't be colorblind. That's not a green light. No, boo-boo, that's a red flag. That's not a white flag. No, that is a red flag. Red flags. Red flags. What we see in our foundational text, in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3, what we see is one person sees danger and they take refuge. The other person sees danger, keeps going, and suffers for it. Hmm. One person sees danger and takes refuge. The other person sees danger, keeps going, and suffers for it. I'm going to say it one more time just in case you got distracted. One person sees danger and they take refuge. The other person, they see danger and they keep going and suffer for it. So what we can conclude from this particular biblical passage is one person saw the red flag, heaven waved, and they took action. One person saw the red flag and they took action. They ended this. They broke up with him. They broke up with her. They walked away from something. They're no longer doing business with him. They're no longer doing business with her because I saw a red flag. I'm no longer calling you. Why do you keep texting me at 11 o'clock at night? There are 24 hours in the day. Why are you texting me at 11 o'clock? I am God's temple, not a hotel where anybody could check in and check out of me whenever they want to, nor make reservations. That's a booty call, just in case you didn't know. I am a temple and so they got the red flag and they're like okay I'm no longer going to go out on dates with him I'm no longer going to go out on dates with her I don't desperately date because when you are desperate you will always confuse God's red flag as a green light preach Holy Spirit once you're desperate you will always confuse God's red flag as a green light and I've just arrived to this place in my life this cutoff is not personal no it's spiritual this cutoff has nothing to do with your person. It's not personal. No, ma'am. No, sir. This is spiritual. This is unhealthy. This is not conducive for my assignment. I'm just fully persuaded that God sends kings, not leeches. Whew. I feel like that warranted somebody to put amen in all caps. God sends kings, not leeches. And how do you know if something is a leech? How do you know if something is parasitic? It's when it's draining you. I'm talking about draining your sleep, draining your prayer life, draining your passion, draining your desires. This is not healthy. This is parasitic. See, let me tell you something. One of the ways and the benefit of you residing in the kingdom is you can spot royalty. Did y'all hear what I just said? When you're in the kingdom... You're able to spot royalty. That's a whole word, y'all. And maybe the reason you can't identify kings is because you're not engaged in kingdom living. Maybe one of the reasons you can't identify queens is because you're not engaged in kingdom living. Therefore, since I have not applied kingdom principles to my life, that is the catalyst on why I keep getting deceived by their life. Did y'all hear what I just said? <laughs> yeah, since I'm not engaged... 
and kingdom living, this is the catalyst on why I keep getting deceived by their life. Because kings establish order, they lead, and they regulate the chaos. Kings lead, establish order, and they regulate the chaos. So whenever a man shows up in your life, this doesn't just have to be romantic. This could be a business partner. This could be a mentor. This could be a coach. This could be your husband, your future husband. Whenever a man shows up in your life, if he does not lead, but he follows. In fact, let me mess y'all up. If the only place he wants to lead is to the bedroom. If the only place he wants to lead is to the bedroom, if he's not a leader, but he follows you, if he doesn't establish order, but he brings disorder, disorganization to your thought life, disorganization to your mind, disorganization to your health, if they don't limit the chaos, if they don't regulate the chaos, but they birth chaos, red flag, Red flag, red flag, God did not send this because kings establish order. Kings lead and kings regulate the chaos because God is not the author of confusion. And somebody watching this message right now, the fact that your relationship leaves you in a state of confusion is a confirmation that this is a red flag. <laughs> I'm telling y'all something, true stories off my notes. One time I'm at the basketball court, right? And I'm just bouncing the ball. I'm taking a few jumpers. And this one dude is kind of mean mugging me, right? <laughs> so one side of me is like, well, maybe he saw a sermon. Maybe, maybe he saw a webisode and he's trying to recognize me. The other side is, no, Kiffy Buck, boy, no. <laughs> That's like the, the, the not say version of myself. Like, what, you got a problem? You don't want no problem? That's, y'all pray for me. <laughs> True. And so he walks up on me and he's like, hey, man, you got videos on YouTube, huh? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, my girl broke up with me and sent me one of your videos, dog. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, that might be a good thing. I was like, oh, I'm sorry about that, bro. God bless you, man. <laughs> so listen, don't be sending some stuff saying, well, Jerry said, y'all have me out here almost getting in fights. <laughs> True story. True story. Kings lead, establish order, and regulate the chaos. And if this individual does not do this, they are not a king, they are a tyrant. One of the most frustrating things to me, if this doesn't agitate you, y'all pray for me. But one of the most frustrating things for me is when I'm driving down the street, I'm minding my business. And somebody has their blinker on because they want to get in front of me. And sometimes I act like I don't see him. I do. I'm just being honest. Act like I don't see him and I just, I just keep going. But ever so often, I decide to be Christ-like. I think Jesus would let somebody go. So one of the things that irritates me the most is when I slowed down, allowed you to get in front of me, and your behind is going to act like you are a turtle. You're not even going to drive the speed limit. I mean, if this doesn't irritate you, y'all stretch your hands right now for Jaron. You pray for me. But that irritates me. Listen, I didn't have to stop. The last few cars didn't stop. I stopped, and you're going to drive slow. Does that irritate anybody else? <laughs> So, ladies, why do you keep letting people get in front of you who slow down your spiritual acceleration? Listen, y'all. Marriage, relationships, business will either be a capsule or a catapult. 
Please hear me. Whoever you decide to do life with will either capsule your life. Wherever you decide to go to church will either capsule your life. Wherever you decide and whoever you decide to do business with will capsule your life and catapult your life. And for my brothers watching this, we have to be so secure where we stop, ask, we stop putting the blinker on to get in front of them if we know we can't lead at an accelerated place. If we can't lead at an accelerated pace, just be cool. I'm not getting over. Go ahead, bro. That's just me. I firmly believe God sends kings, not leeches. And ladies, tighten your lace front. I came hard for my brothers on Sunday. I'm coming for your life on the night. <laughs> for brothers watching this, I firmly believe that God aligns us to discover help meets. I truly believe this. I believe he allows us to cross paths with someone who will be a helpmeet to our purpose. God aligns us to discover helpmeets, not damsels in distress. Okay, I said it on Sunday, every broken man who takes interest in you is not your rescue mission. And it's the same thing for kings. Every damsel in distress is not one that you have to save. I know it's not popular, but when you're in the kingdom, you recognize if you're a damsel in distress, Jesus saves you. The king of kings saves you, not me. I'm a king, but that's his job. <laughs> that's his job to bring you out. Kings are aligned to discover help meets. And listen, if I just be honest, a lot of us, this is how, oh, this is going to mess you up. There is nothing more frustrating to a man of vision. There is nothing more frustrating to a man of purpose to encounter a woman who has dreamed about being a wife. It got real quiet. I didn't make a mistake. I know exactly what I said. Listen, hold on. Before you get your trigger fingers ready, before you stone me, cut me off. Hold on. Let me break it down. It is nothing more agitating and irritating for a man of vision to discover and encounter a woman who has dreamed about being a wife but hasn't prepared to be a helpmeet. Okay? Now, listen. Wife is the title. Helpmeets is the function. Husband is the title. Being a head is the function. Any woman can walk down the aisle with a beautiful dress on, say I do, and put a ring on her finger. That's just the title of a wife. But to be a helpmeet. See, you got to understand this. You have to understand this. When God saw Adam, he recognized there are some places that this man could not meet without her help. So I'm going to make him a suitable helper. I'm going to make him a help meet. I'm standing right here on tonight to let you know there are certain places that Jerry could not meet without my wife's help. Because title of being a wife, that's just her title. The function is for her to be a help meet. And if I be honest, there are a lot of ministries who are monetizing your idolatry. I'm saying it. There are a lot of ministries who are making monetization off your trauma. They sell you the title, but they don't equip you for the function. Because they know you want the title, but to actually carry out the function, to actually be able to be a man who could be a head, not play with heads, to actually be a woman who knows how to help a man. This is something that's not really taught, and we're going to do that with this series. Because I want us to understand... <laughs> I want us to understand just because a woman says she's a wife doesn't mean she's a help meet. As there's a lot of brothers, I haven't felt no help to meet no places. 
<laughs> and just because a man calls himself a husband doesn't mean he's ahead. Because there are a lot of ladies that will say, I don't feel like I'm led anywhere but through trauma, pain, and heartache. Okay, y'all don't want to talk to me. I'm coming for your life uh, right quick, ladies. I charged my brother up, but it's time to chop it up with you. Have you prayed over your mouth, though? Here we go. Have you prayed over your mouth with the same intensity that you prayed for God to send you something? Y'all not talking to me. <laughs> have you prayed? Have you prayed over your verbiage, your adjectives, your verbs, the way you communicate? Have you prayed over your mouth with the same amount of energy that you complain about your husband? Because the mouth of a woman is an activator. Listen, the mouth of a woman is an activator. She, know how, she knows how to activate his king or activate his fool because they reside in every man. And every man is a king and a fool. I'm not talking about somebody who doesn't know the Lord. I'm not talking about somebody who, doesn't, who hasn't surrendered their life to the Lord. If you need Bible terminology, inside every man, there's flesh and there's spirit. And I want to know, do you have the skill sets to biblically be able to speak to this man's spirit, or do you only know how to communicate to his flesh? Thank God, God has graced me with the wife who knows how to speak to my spirit, not just my flesh. Because you're a helper, and I wonder which one do you help more? Do you help his spirit or do you help his flesh? Lord, have mercy. Have you prayed over your sensitivity? Have, have you prayed over your emotionalism? I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm just saying, have you taken the intentional, intentional steps to get the therapy, to get the healing, and to get the counseling so that every single time he tries to lead you, you don't view it as an attack, but rather it's a king establishing order. This is so good, y'all. It's so good. It's not an attack. It's a king establishing order. Now, I'm not talking about him being a dictator and him being controlling because kings make decisions that benefit their domain. So anytime a kingdom man makes a decision, it's not going to be for the benefactor of himself. It's going to be for the benefactor of my wife and my children. If a man ever puts his foot down and it benefits him but doesn't benefit his family, that's not a king. That's a tyrant. That's not king-like behavior. Ooh, I feel like I'm getting some looks. <laughs> I'm not done with y'all yet. We're going to go to brothers in a second, but the whole message was about men on Sunday. Ladies, it's your turn on tonight. Do you look at the title or do you really look at the function? Can I, can, I, can I be real? Do you really want a kingdom man? Do you really want a kingdom pastor? Like, do you really, really want kingdom? Do you really want somebody who puts God before themselves? And before you say, yes, that's what I want, yes. Do you put God, all right. Do you put God first in all that you do? Because could you imagine, let's say you just, you know, somebody's being petty and you decide to let them have it. When things don't go your way, do you still represent the kingdom? Now, I know we're not perfect and we all have fallen short of the glory of God. I understand that. We're all not perfect. But for the most part, you represent the kingdom, right? You represent the kingdom, right? When, when something doesn't sit well with you, do you represent the kingdom, 
Or do you allow your emotionalism to be a permission slip that can override the fruit of self-control? And I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell her how I feel. I'm not going to give her two cents. I'm going to give her the whole dollar. <laughs> because if that's you, a kingdom man, kingdom pastor, kingdom business partner is probably going to irritate you. Because you won't come to them talking about how you got petty back. And uh, they're going to say, you should probably pray for them. You should probably pray for them. Don't consider the opening act. Consider the backstage. They may be going through something. They're going to say, if they walk down the hallway and they speak to you, you speak to them too. Be mature. Could you imagine how much that would irritate you? You would feel like he don't have your side. You would feel like he don't have your back. He not being your ride or die. He not supporting you. But is he supposed to? Is he, is he supposed to support you or is he supposed to push you? Hmm. Is he supposed to support you in your pettiness or is he supposed to push you to be virtuous even when they're venomous? Do you, do you really want that type of kingdom love? <laughs> I feel like some people are like, listen, I got so much to say. I got so much to say. Do you really want a kingdom spiritual accountability partner? Like, do you have an accountability partner right now? And if you do, do you, know the, do you know their flaws? Do you know their failures? Do you know their inadequacies? Because it's easy to drink from a fountain that has a filter. <laughs> you know nothing about them, so of course you can receive advice from them. But are you mature enough? See, this is one of the difficulties about marriage. My wife knows all of my mess. She knows all of my dirt, but she still can receive from me as her leader. And I know all of her mess, I know all of her flaws, but I still can receive from her as my helper. Are you mature enough to not always load the barrel of your pettiness and have your ammunition ready so every time they try to correct you, you fire back when they were wrong, you fire back what they did last week, you fire back the last time they screwed up. Are you mature enough to not hold records of wrong? As if not, I don't know if you really, really desire somebody kingdom are you okay with being vulnerable Tanisha come here real quick are you okay with being vulnerable because if you're going to be vulnerable this means you have to be able to be open and honest with your blemishes versus hide them okay I want you guys to see this Ephesians 5 verse 25 Ephesians 5 verse 25 it says husbands love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. Come up here just a little bit. I don't know if you're in front of the TV. Um, water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless in the same way. Can I get everybody to drop that part in the same way? Because I was at a men's retreat, and he was like, that's not my responsibility, that's just Jesus. I'm like, it says right here, husbands loves your wives just like Christ. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Okay, so I, I want you guys to see this really quickly, all right? If she has all of these vulnerabilities. You can turn towards me. She has all of these things that she's ashamed of, and she doesn't give it to me. I'm trying to help her. I'm trying to wash her. I'm trying to clean her. I'm trying to remove the blemishes, and she's not open with what hurt. 
She's not open with what happened in childhood. She's not open about that first divorce. She's not open about her true feelings. This means there's a level of godliness that I'm supposed to give her as a king that I can't even do because she won't reveal to me her spots. She, she won't reveal to me her blemishes. It is the job of a kingdom man. I need to know what hurts you, what offended you, so that I could wash you and I could mold you and I could make you like Christ. And so the thing about Christ is he takes on our dirt. This is so good, y'all. So kingdom men have to be able to see a spot, to see a blemish, and my love is going to wipe it off. My consistency is going to wipe it off. My tenderness is going to wipe it off. I'm going to take all of the dirt because I'm supposed to love you like Christ loved the church. See, listen, y'all. So this means if you are an unmarried woman, I think the question you have to ask yourself is this man who I'm talking to, do they have washing capacity? This is so powerful, y'all. Does he know how to help me cleanse of what marked me? Or... Is this man one who causes spots and causes blemishes? He's not one who helps, but I'm one who scars. I'm one who provides wrinkles. I'm one who provides stains. And the more you talk to him, the more you communicate with him, the more that you deal with him, the more spots and the more blemishes, the more wrinkles, the more pain. And so I think you need to ask yourself, is this an individual who could <laughs> wash me of my spots and my blemishes? Or do they cause Spots and blemishes. Because kingdom men, we're going to take that off. Kingdom men are going to take this off and purge you and wash you through his love, wash you through his consistency, wash you through his grace. Because all the pain that you experienced before me, it is my job to love you in such a way that you can forget that your heart was ever broken. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take time. It's going to take consistency. But I am called to be a kingdom man in every single spot, every single blemish, every single pain, every, sing that you, every single thing that your father caused, every single thing that that last man caused, every single thing that that sister caused. I'm going to take it away. Because it's the job of Ephesians 5 men to be able to wash, clean, and remove Blemishes. Is that good? Thank you, Mama. So listen, do you really want an individual who will take you out of your comfort zone? Is that what you really want? Like, have you gotten comfortable on the pallet of the graveyard of your excuses? Could you imagine being married to somebody who constantly disturbs your comfort zone? <laughs> I mean, this individual constantly turns up the thermostat in the apartment of your comfort and makes it hot. They constantly keep making you uncomfortable. I wonder, do you truly desire kingdom? In our foundational text, Proverbs chapter 8, it says, Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand, look at this, beside the gate leading into the city. At the entrance, she cries aloud. And as I was studying, I was like, God, why is this standing out to me? Verse 3 is just standing out to me. I, I couldn't shake it. Anytime I study and something just keeps like standing out to me, I feel like God is trying to tell me something. I'm like, okay, beside the gate 
leading into the city. At the entrance, she cries aloud. Then I'm like, oh, I get it. Red flags are always at entrances. Before you enter the city, the red flag is there. God saying, don't go here. Before you make that decision, God is like, listen, this is not me. Before you engage with that brother, before you do this business with him, confirmations and red flags are always at entrances. They're always at the entrance. So what is a red flag? A red flag is a sign, a signal, exposure, or an alarm that God gives his children that says, this is not me. That's a red flag. It is a sign, a signal, an exposure. What does that mean? God exposed you to something. This is not what you thought it was. This is not the deal that you thought it was. This is not the man that you think it is. He allows you to discover something. It's an alarm that God gives his children that lets us know this is not from me. The question I have for you on tonight is once God shows you that this isn't him, do you seek refuge or do you keep going? So a few red flags and I'm done. Number one, what is a red flag? It is anything that talks you out of what God has talked you into. That's a red flag. Anything that talks you out of what God has talked you into. I'm firmly convinced that we need more Naomi's and less snakes. We need more Paul's and and less snakes. Naomi really doesn't get any credit. It's all about Ruth and Boaz. But Naomi was in Ruth's ear that positioned her to also be in a field to tell her to stay. I wonder what a generation of women would look like if we had Naomi's. I wonder what our generation would look like if we had more Naomi's and less ratchet in our ear. Naomi got her in position. The snake in the garden got Eve and Adam out of position. Paul helped Timothy be in position. Snakes get us out of position. A red flag is anything that talks you out of what God has talked you into. Number two, a red flag, secrecy. Secrecy. You don't have to hide what you're not doing. That part, though, let's say it again. You don't have to hide what you're not doing. We have a whole generation where you could touch all on each other's bodies, but you can't touch each other's phone. You care more about dropping your phone than you do dropping your panties and getting an STD. I'm not talking about sexually transmitted. I'm talking about spiritually transmitted devil. We care more about dropping our phone and that cracking versus our heart and our spirit cracking. (laughs) Why can't know your friends? Listen, let me tell you something I've learned about counseling and just talking to people. When people don't want multiple eyes, I believe it's because they got multiple personalities. They don't want multiple eyes because if they're all these different eyes, since you're so caught up with this business deal, since you're so caught up with growing your platform, since you're so caught up with marriage, since you're so caught up with what you want, you don't really get to see that there's a red flag behind this. But when there are multiple, flat, when there are multiple people around you, they could see the red flags. Listen, devils love concealment. They love it. Devils love secrecy because it limits the power for shepherds to be able to identify that's a wolf. I'm like, why y'all stop talking to me and Tanisha when y'all start dating? When y'all start dating, what are we gonna do? <laughs> why you gonna stop talking to us? We're not God. I notice there's a pattern. I don't want 
to have multiple eyes on this. The enemy tries to keep us isolated and away from the pack because people in groups is harder to hit. Gazelles will keep the weakest and the smallest in the middle of the pack so I can protect you from the lions who are watching. This is so good, y'all. Secrecy. I'm going to tell you something that might mess you up. I believe you should meet family quick. I don't know why and where this came from. Now nah, we're going to go seven, eight months. Then you're going to meet my mama. And then you're going to meet my daddy. How about I meet your mama the first week? First time we start talking. <laughs> Forget all this seven, eight months. I want to meet your family soon so I can see if there are any strongholds I'm going to have to deal with. I want to meet your mama and them. I'm not talking about your children. Listen, if you have children, we protect them until you know that God's hand is on this and you got heaven's endorsement. Until then, we're not introducing this dude to this dude, this woman. I'm talking about your family. I want to be able to be aware of what's in the bloodline. Why we got to wait? And some people are like, nah, I disagree with that. I ain't bringing a new man around my mama and a new man around my daddy, somebody else and somebody else. First of all, why the last six, six Thanksgivings, there were a different dude each time? Because you can't be spirit-led and serial date at the same time. All right. <laughs> and then somebody would be like, you know what? That's just my personality. I'm just... It's kind of secretive. You know, I just don't want people all up in my business, my business. I don't really want people all in my business. Well, I got Bible for you, ma'am or sir. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 11. It says, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. There is safety. So if there is safety with multiple counselors, there must be danger in secrecy. Second red flag was secrecy. Number three, a red flag is enhanced temptation. Have you ever been around any individual that is harder for you to be holy? Every time you're around them, you end up getting high. Every time you're around them, you end up cursing. Every time you're around them, you end up drinking. It is social sin. Some of us, you are good as long as you don't hang with them. And this is not always friends or coworkers. This could be your family. Enhanced temptation. If you have to decide constantly between compromise and keeping God's commands, that's a red flag. Anything that makes it harder for you to follow Jesus is a red flag. Number four, confusion. I mean, if you just stay confused, you don't know what this is. You don't know what we are. You don't know where we're going. <laughs> if you don't know what this is, if you're in a state of confusion, God is not the author of confusion. So if he's not the author of confusion and you're constantly confused, confused, who do you think is authoring this? See, when you walk with God, you may not know what God is doing, but you know it's him doing it. That's the difference. When you walk with God, I may not know what God is doing in this season, but I do know that God is doing it. Number five, another red flag, big one, fits of rage. Y'all ever met somebody like that? I mean, they spark. It don't take nothing. Just constantly angry, constantly ticked, constantly pissed. I mean, you got to talk to them like, well, I'm just, I didn't mean that. I'm just trying to say, well, I don't really want to. If you got to do all that, fits of rage is a sign of a red flag. It shows a lack of control. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9. It says, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Number six, this is a big one. Another red flag, 
possessive behavior. Have you ever met somebody who acts like they own you? Like they control you. You mine. That's my best friend. That's my bestie. Uh, get your own. This mine. This my member. This my church. Pastors do it too. And the crazy thing about this, when they have possessive behavior, then they come narcissistic and they have manipulation. So then it's like, if I can't control you, I try to control how people see you. Because I can't control what you do. And the last one, seven, I thought was so powerful. A red flag is when you can't identify the red flags in you. The red flags in yourself, you don't even know they exist. You think they have red flags and she got a red flag and pastor got a red flag. And they, but you never stop for a moment and take inventory of yourself so you could identify maybe I am a walking red flag. Maybe I'm one who enhances temptation. Maybe I'm one who talks people out of what God has talked them into. Maybe I'm one who's possessive. Maybe I'm one who has fits of rage. Just maybe I'm one who's secretive. Because if you can't identify your red flag, you definitely won't be able to identify other red flags. So God, we, we pray. Just, just like we see in Proverbs, one person, the prudent, sees danger and takes refuge. But the simple sees danger, keeps going, and has to pay the penalty. Help us to have spiritual eyes to be able to see red flags. Don't let us want something so bad, God, that we overlook your stop signs, that we overlook your yield, that we overlook you saying, this is not me. But help us to be people like in Proverbs 8, see wisdom at the city gate that stops us from making decisions that will lead us into a season. In Jesus' name we pray.